You're listening to a podcast of This Positive Life, thebody.com's growing collection of first-person stories from people living with HIV. Welcome to This Positive Life. This is Bonnie Goldman, Editorial Director of The Body. I'm here today with Louis Crenshaw, founder of a group focusing on older HIV-positive women in Minneapolis. She's been living with HIV since 1994. Lois, welcome to This Positive Life. Thank you very much. Can you tell our readers and listeners about your personal history with HIV? How did you find out you were HIV positive? I had gotten raped, and I had developed something like the flu. One of my grandbabies had passed away, and I came to Minnesota to support my son with this death in the family. And I went to the doctor to get something for this flu. And later on, they let me know that I had the virus. Did you know that they were going to be testing you for HIV? I had heard a lot about HIV. I told the doctor I wanted a complete checkup, and I also checked that HIV thing. And that's what happened. Where were you living at the time? I was living in Nassau, Bahamas. I see. And how long had you been living there? Uh, Two years. And what were you doing there? That's my home. Were you working? Uh, Yes, I had a restaurant. Are you from there? Uh, I was born there. My mom brought me back to the state, Chicago, when I was three weeks old. Had you lived in, in Chicago most of your life then? Yes, I was in law enforcement there. So you were working for the Chicago Police Force? Yes, for over 17 years. Did you enjoy that? Not really, but I had children. Uh huh. How many children did you have? I had six boys and two girls. I was married three times. You worked full-time and and you had eight children? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's a busy household. Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) So where did you live in Chicago? Oh... I lived on the east side, uh-huh. west side, and north side. Oh, more or less all around town. Yeah. <laughs> I worked on the police force for over 17 years. I was grown then. Uh-huh. Okay, then uh, when I quit, I couldn't take it any longer. I came up here to visit one of my daughters. Where did you go, to Minneapolis? Yes. I just stayed. We moved up here. What did you like about Minneapolis compared to Chicago? The gangs hadn't moved in. The drugs hadn't moved in. But then I could see the signs of it, and I was just I was more relaxed here than I was Chicago. Was it, so is it really much safer, do you think? Well, in 86. Now it's not anymore? Uh, no. Oh. No. So I guess so you, so you moved from Chicago to Minneapolis. Did, some of you, did you bring some of your kids with you? Yes, I did. Uh, After a while, all had migrated here except two. I had a son to pass away at 33 years old with AIDS also in uh, in 95. We'll get to, I guess, your son Mm -hmm. later Mm -hmm. on. So you you were diagnosed as positive in 94. Yes. Right? So can you tell us how you think you got infected? Yes. I was raped. Where were you raped? In Nassau, one night 
after I got off work. Um, and where was this that, that the rape occurred? At my house. Were you yeah. were you alone in the house? I was alone. And what and happened? I would rather not say exactly, but somebody that was very important came to the house, and I felt uh, safe. And uh, I let them in. And at the time, uh, I found out that what he had came for. Uh-huh. And uh, he didn't hurt me, really. Mm-hmm. I was going to try to <laughs> get down with him, but I was scared because he had a weapon. He didn't hurt me. He just killed me, but I refused to lay down. And I didn't know about this the virus at the time. Would it have been different if you knew about it, that HIV was a risk? No, it was nothing I could do about it. Oh. You know. Because he had a weapon? Yes. You had known this man and felt safe with him previously? No, his position. Uh-huh. I felt safe. Yeah. He was an important yes. man yes. In, in in the Bahamas, and so mm-hmm. you, you thought he was a man of stature, yes. that he would act like a gentleman. Yes. And he did. I thought I thought that someone had broken the restaurant. Oh, yeah. you. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. And that's why I let him in. So you yeah. thought he was there on official business? Yes. Yes. So now, I didn't know him. Uh-huh. I knew. I saw him before. And had he I, he been nice before? Yeah, we just came in contact in the restaurant. I see. Know. I see. That's all. So after this rape, did you did you go to the hospital or anything? No, he like I said, he didn't hurt me. Mm-hmm. But uh, within a week or two, I started getting something like the flu, mm-hmm. and uh, I was taking what I could to work with the flu, but it wasn't doing any good. And meanwhile, I found out one of my grandchildren had passed away with SIDS, so I came to Minneapolis to be with my son and his wife, and I went there, came here, and went to a doctor because I was on Social Security. The money followed me to the Bahamas, but the medical care didn't follow me. So you you couldn't get medical care in the Bahamas? No, no. So that's why when I came here, I went to the doctor, to the clinic, and had a complete uh, checkup. And that's when I told him, make sure you check for that that thing, the HIV. So uh, the check, uh, everything came back okay. It was a flu, but they said the last test hadn't come in. And it took about a month after that before I found out what happened, that I had the virus. Were you nervous during that time while you were waiting for the results? No, that was the last thing on my mind, because I know I was not a permissive woman, mm-hmm. you know, and this thing had happened to me, so I would have to know when and how I got infected. And when I checked things out, I found out that this man had been doing this to quite a few people. And no one had taken him to court? No. And he knew he was positive, I guess. Yes, he had to know. He's gone now because I wouldn't even tell my children exactly what happened when I found out that I had the virus. 
of my all my children are grown. Uh-huh. When you say he's gone now, does that mean he died? Yes. Oh, how did? When did you find that out? I found out when I went back to uh, visit my sisters in the Bahamas, and uh, you know everybody's talking about who's died and you know who did this, who did that, and so when they did that, I let them know that this one was the one that had uh, raped me. How long ago was it after the rape that you found out that he died? Uh, about three months. I was hurt because he had taken something from me that I had been trying to hold on to. I was really hurt. And I didn't want to go back and be in that environment then. When you so say that, that he took something away from you, what, 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 are you, what are you referring to? 20 years of um, not having sex. So you had been abstinent for 20 years? Yes, I had. Uh, so it was pretty traumatic. Yes, it was. So you, never, you didn't go back to the Bahamas after that for I a long time? I didn't go back for a long time. My sisters wow. and my stepmother and my brothers, they, I told them to take what they wanted and the rest throw it away. Mm-hmm. And they closed up my apartment and the restaurant. You didn't tell me wh- how you found out you were positive and what was that like, actually. When I had asked, you said you were waiting for the test results. This person from the Board of Health kept calling, saying that they that she knew that I had I was here from the Bahamas and she, that she was trying to get in touch with me, a friend of mine. And finally, I did stop. Because you didn't know who she was, really. No, I didn't know. So she was just saying that to keep it confidential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I met her. I, I, we had a meeting in the park. And she came up and she said, I asked her, I I don't know you. She said, well, I had to say it like that. I'm from the Board of Health, and you uh, have been diagnosed with the virus, HIV virus. I said, no, 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 you have to take that test again. So I went back to the clinic, Southside Clinic, and, and the test was taken again. And the doctor confirmed that it was the virus. So what what were your feelings when you found out? I'm going to die. You know, I used to drink, and um, I never I never did street drugs. But I smoked cigarettes, and I know that's why my son had lived, you know, so long, because he never drank or did drugs. But I wasn't drinking. I had stopped drinking. And I, I just started trying to give things away, and and I called all my kids, the rest of them together, my grandchildren. I told them all that I had the virus. So how many people were at this meeting? Oh, I had all eight of my children. And they came, Your son came from Chicago? Yes, yes, yes. And, and how many uh, grandchildren did you have at that time? At that time, I think I had 24. And how many do you have now, by the way? 39. 39, God. And uh, 12 great-grands. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. So it's hard to have a meeting, huh? Well, not really, because no. I'm Grammy, you know. And when I when I say a, meet, a family meeting, we know automatically something is wrong somewhere. So everybody try. And my one of my granddaughters, I asked her, 
do you know why Grammy's in bed when you come? She said, oh, yeah. I said, well, what do you think? She said, you have HIV, and I know. I said, well, how do you know? And I said, what do I'm supposed to do? She said, you've got to eat properly, take your medication, and keep things clean. You know, I said, well, how do you know about all this? She said, they found out, you know, they found out in school. And she was only 12 at the time. Great. Yes. So they're getting educated. <laughs> yes. And, and some schools are not educating them, the children. So I was going out doing speaking engagements. How soon did you start becoming active? Because you said you thought you were going to die and you were packing yeah. up stuff, giving stuff away. Right. When did it dawn on you that you probably were not going to die of it? I, I found a doctor, Dr. Ron Scott. How did you find him? Uh, Hennepin. They told me at the Southside Clinic that there was infectious disease doctors up there. And this was after I got my head together. How long I did said, it take you to get your head together? Oh, maybe a month or so. What did you do during this month to get your head together? My children. My children. They saw where I was giving up. And I've always been the backbone of the family. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and they was telling me that they heard that, you know, you can live with it. But, uh, and to go and see what the doctor had to say. That's when I met my doctor and case manager, Terry. And uh, I got therapists. I had to have a therapist. Uh, meaning for mental health issues? Yes. Because you were so depressed about it? Yes, yes. So it was a very good clinic then that they acknowledged these issues? Yes, it really was. It saved my life. That 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 board of health nurse, that's where it first began. Because she really went out of her way? Yes, she did. I feel that she did. Because she kept on calling and then... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe she's the one that saved my life. When you met the doctor for the first time, did you get along? Did you were you happy with him? Yes. What what made you feel that he was good? Because he sat down and he explained things to me. I, I get I kinda get a little uh upset when things are happening and won't nobody talk to me and tell me what's going on. But he took time out and explained to me in every step that I was taking, uh, that I took, he was there to answer my questions and to tell me where I was in this in this fight. And at this point, did you have you had health insurance from the police department? Oh no, I had quit. Oh, did you so you didn't get any benefits? No, no, I so you didn't. didn't get a pension or anything. No. No, I I quit. I just couldn't take it anymore. Were you on Medicare or Medicaid or something? A couple of my grandchildren had come to me because my daughter was in trouble and they were in foster care. So some people told me, some social worker told me that I could get my grandchildren and become a foster uh, mom. And that's what we did. And then one of the, their case managers took me down to Social Security. And uh, 
apply for Social Security. And since they, they were minors, you got to Social Security? My Social Security. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. How old were you at the time? 55. When you got diagnosed, you were 55? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. But I was sickly afterwards. When you say sickly, what what With do you that, mean? Oh, yeah, flu, flu symptoms. You were also oh. depressed, you said. Yeah, very much so. And so how did this manifest itself? I mean, did you just lie in bed? Did you? What did you do when you were feeling depressed? Oh. Did you not want to talk to people? Did you? I didn't want to be around anybody. Mm-hmm. I felt ashamed mm-hmm. because of my age. For one thing, I didn't want to be around anybody other than my children. Sometimes I didn't want to be around. I stopped eating. And when you said you were ashamed because of your age, what do you mean? What What was your age? What did it have to do with this? I always thought that younger people would contract the virus. Not an old person like 50, 54 or 50. You mean because it's sexually transmitted? Yes. You didn't, did you think people thought you, like, used intravenous yes. drugs or something? Yeah. Also. A, a sex worker. Or that you were a sex worker. Uh-huh. You know, a prostitute. So all those are very negative associations of sex yes. worker, intravenous yes. drug user, or just someone who mm-hmm. has sex. Yeah, I, yeah. You thought people would think that you belonged to those categories? Yeah. And I was worried about what other people thought. Instead of, you know, worrying about me and this virus. Because people tend to judge very quickly, you know. But now I'm at the stage where I don't give a care. Right. So at the time, were you like a regular, did you regularly go to like church on Sunday? Yes. Uh I had always been going to church, even in the Bahamas. So you You regularly went to the church in Minneapolis? Yes. So you didn't go to church? I told my pastor, uh-huh. you know, and uh, she didn't understand about the virus also. Did you, so at the time, could you explain things about the virus? I thought I had explained to her, uh-huh. but then she wanted me to start going to nursing homes to uh, to have Bible study. And I told her no, because my immune system is very low. And I was afraid that I might catch something else to go along with this virus. So did you tell other people in the church? No. Did you did you have, a like, official role at the church in any way? I was a church mother. A church mother? Mm-hmm. Could you, what does a church mother do? An uh, elder, uh, uh, wisdom. Uh-huh. That could talk to the children. I was the oldest one in the church. You, at 54, you were the oldest Yes, I, yes. <laughs> what kind of church um, is this? It's a denominational uh-huh. uh, church of God and Christ. And we have white and black members. But a pretty know. young congregation, if you were the right. oldest. Yes, okay. yes. This was a new, uh, this was a new uh, church. I see. So you was were the church? Yeah. Did, so you continued to be the church mother? No. After I saw where she really wanted me to keep, she kept on me to go to the nursing home, I saw that she wasn't understanding what I was saying. I just moved by what that Dr. Scott would tell me, that, you know, my immune system was low and I have to be careful 
about who I'm around. So I saw that she wasn't understanding or I wasn't presenting myself properly. So I stopped. And I started going to another church. So to this day, do you go to another church? Yes, I do. And I also I'm trying to get help get the black churches together uh, and, and, and help with this HIV and AIDS. How are you doing it? Uh, we're there's a, a nurse that works at uh, what's that North Point, that's Hamilton County, and uh, she's a member there. And um, we've been talking to other pastors about getting a a, a black coalition of churches. Great. Because, yeah. What you you don't think that they know very much about HIV the the churches in your area? I don't think the black churches know as much as they should know. Plus all the young people that's in there and older people, they don't know what they should know. Do, do you feel there's a lot of stigma still? Yes, I do. That's why we're just, the, the black uh, churches are just really just four or five years getting into it. They would... They wouldn't acknowledge HIV and AIDS. To me, you know. So that wasn't very helpful to you because you've been infected a long time. Yes, I have. So you haven't had really church support? Um, Not until, well, she was respectful when we had to go on a fast or something. My pastor at that time would tell me, don't go on a fast. You need your nourishment, you know. But there were certain things that I couldn't, I wasn't supposed to eat. So I feel that she was in my corner that way. But she wasn't understanding about the virus and, and going to places where people are very sick. What was your immune, what was your CD4 count at that point and your viral load? Do you remember when you first got diagnosed and you went to the doctors for the first time? Did, do you remember what your count was? No. No. Well, was it very low? No, it was, it didn't get very low until after my son died. I see. So you didn't start treatment back then, or you did? Yes, but you, they didn't have the cocktails then. I think it was 95 or 96 that the cocktails came out. I had started before with the ATV stuff. Right, so you started with mm-hmm. just AZT alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then do you remember what, what drugs you took after that? And did you have DDI? Did you have reactions or side effects from the AZT or the DDI? With the uh, uh, ATZ, it would turn my nails black. My toenails and my fingernails would turn black under the nail. Was that uh, scary for you? Yes, it was. But then I said, "Well, after I I, I started, I started the task force." I started going to the task force, community meetings, uh, uh, women and families network. Uh, Is that an a- HIV AIDS group in yes, Minneapolis? All these things, and I'll name it. And uh, so you started becoming more, um, an activist. Yes. And what yes. gave you the strength to do that? Because I'm watching everybody, and nobody's understanding what I'm trying. If Somebody be still for a minute. I would talk to them. But my case manager also told me about uh, start getting active. 
And I did. Was this a, were you had you an activist past? Had you been an activist when you were younger? No. So this is very new to you. This Yes it was. And how did it feel? Did it make it feel better? Somehow? Every time I would participate or go out and do speaking engagements, it felt like I was getting stronger. Or talk about my son, I'd be stronger. So it was very healing. Yes. Yes. And and so so who did you start how did you know what to say when you were speaking? I wouldn't write anything down. I told, I spoke to them from my heart and from the knowledge that I had. Meaning about living with HIV and how you felt about it and... Right, and appreciating life now, really appreciating. Watching the grass when it starts growing and the leaves when they start turning brown. Just little things that really didn't make a difference before. And were you also trying to fight the stigma and the shame that you felt? Were you trying to change that situation for other people? I, at first I did. But then, like I say, I got strong enough so that if somebody would be still, I, I can give you an example. I was going somewhere on an airplane, and I had took my uh, 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 driver's license picture. That's before I had lost weight. And when they look at my driver's license, they would look at my, they said, oh, is this you? I said, yes. They said, oh, you lost a lot of weight. How did you lose? I said, I've got AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> and what did they say? Uh, a couple of the women uh, at the desk would come around and say, oh, can I hug you? you know. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> yeah. So but they... I always feel that people want to judge you. You know, most people ask, oh, well, how did you get it? I tell them, don't make a difference how I got it. I got it, and I got to try to live with it. That's a great answer. Mhm. Mhm. And does that? Do you think that really helps people understand? You know, do you think that you're teaching people all around you? I think it has. I said, oh. I went to a church in St. Cloud, a white Catholic church, and I spoke. And everybody sitting back there was looking at me, and. When I told them that my background was law enforcement and that I was a mother of eight children and the grandmother of 24, you could hear them. <gasps> At the end of it, and we were going out, there was a little child, eight years old, walked up to me and, and, and caught me around the legs. And she looked up, she said, thank you for sharing. That's that good. means that somebody heard me. <laughs> You have meant so much to me. <laughs> you know, little things like that. And me, if I can just touch one person that will listen to me, go and get tested. Talk to your doctor. Take your medication on time. It means so much to me that somebody will listen. What do you say when people, I don't know if you have the experience of people saying, well, it, you know, you, HIV doesn't cause AIDS or you don't have, the medications will poison you or there are a lot of myths out there about HIV and HIV treatment. Have you encountered that at all? I encountered it really once. My son's pastor told him that he was saved and that he didn't have to take that medicine anymore. And, and, and so, that's how he got down, like he was. 
if he could have lived one more year, he could he might have been able to get on the cocktails. They wouldn't dare come to me and tell me none of that stuff. I've heard it before from some of the women that other people have said that uh, that medication is not going to do you any good. But they don't dare tell you it, I guess. I I I've never experienced it. Um, but living with HIV, don't you get sick of talking and thinking about HIV? Do you no. sometimes no? No. How do you have the stamina then to still be an activist after all uh, these years? You know what? It knocked me down. I've lost all this weight. So really only thing I do is go to some meetings and run my, my support group. I can't do all the running around that I used to do. You know. But if somebody be still or ask me anything, I got it. I won't tell them. And tell me a little bit about the support group. When did you um, start it? I was on the uh, task force, Henson County okay. AIDS task force. It wasn't that many older people where I was. And about the black people, the black churches not participating. So I, it's about five or six years ago, I said, I'm going to start I'm going to find some older people that's 50 and over. I said, 50 and over? After a couple of years, I said, no. Older people, period. Because a lot of people were dying, I think, with, I feel that it was AIDS, but the doctors didn't classify them as being in the spot where they would have uh, AIDS. You know, she's older. Or he's older and live in the suburbs, and they wouldn't have no AIDS. So they didn't even try to diagnose them or right. test them, right? If they didn't think that they were part of a, the the risk group, just trying to love and be loved. You know, a lot of people they they don't have AIDS because they're street workers or IV drug users. They're just trying to love. And be loved. Right. You know, that's how I feel about it. And now with these new drugs out for these men to have an erection, they you go mean Viagra. Yeah, and this other, see, something. Cialis. So that's, yes. has that changed the world for older women? I think so. Because when I go, I, I go to this group of older women, and I was talking to them about AIDS and HIV. And, oh, I don't have sex anymore. We don't have sex anymore. I said, you haven't had sex in about 10 years. Oh, well, I didn't say that. I said, well, don't let somebody else's catch up to you. Because this person might have had it and transferred it to your husband or your wife and it laid down in anybody. Just do me a favor and go and get tested. The age is no different because you're loving and trying to love. Or you have loved and trying to be loved, you know. That's a really interesting way of putting it. Yes. Uh-huh. Don't let somebody else pass catch up to you. Right. So, do you have a partner now? Oh no. So, have you had a partner since you were diagnosed as positive? Oh no. What was the reason that you decided to become absent? Because I couldn't find a working man, a man that 
that just caught my eye. I've been married three times, divorced three times. So, and I had my children. All my children are grown. I got six boys. Why did you decide not to look for a partner after you were diagnosed? Oh, I was scared that I might infect somebody, you know, because my T-cells was very low. And, uh, How low? I didn't want. I see. Uh, at that time, it was like 190 or something like that. That's when I was diagnosed with AIDS after my son died. So that was the lowest you think your T-cells count went? I think so. What was your viral load at the time? Did you know? Uh, I don't know. But I know I'm undetectable and I'm over 500. What HIV medications are you on? Oh, God, what's the name of this thing? One pill a day. A tripla? Yes, yes, yes. And how is it? Is it? It's great. So you just take it before you go to sleep? Yes, I do. But I got the other medication for aging, arthritis, so... Uh, Oh, uh, uh, depression and different stuff. But the one pill that I will not miss, and I, you know, and I feel that it's working. My doctor feels that it's working. Well, it's a very good CD4 count you have. <laughs> yes, for me. That's great. Yeah. So have you had any other symptoms besides mm-hmm. you said the, the flu, but did you have other things in the last yes. 10 or so years? Oh, yes. Uh, rashes. Uh, diarrhea, the blackness of the nails. I know that came from ATZ because I'm not on that really now. And my nails are nice and clear again. Uh, and also I was taking a medication and I've got, I have blood clogs. And they can't find out where they come from. I'm blind in my right eye. Why are you blind in your eye? How did that happen? Blood clogs. I had two clogs in my lung, but I don't think that was AIDS-related. I had uh, numerous, I had four attacks of pneumonia this year, but it was bacterial pneumonia. It wasn't, uh, what do you call that? PCP? Yeah, whatever that thing is. I see. That's related to AIDS. I didn't have that. It was just you, but um, you you just got sick. They don't think right. it was related. I see. Right, right. Um, I, I just you did mention that you raised some some of your grandchildren as well. Yes. So are they also grown? How many did you raise? Oh, uh, three. They lived with you for how long? For maybe three years. And uh, when my daughter convinced them. Uh, the state that she had gotten herself back together, they gave them back to her. So when they gave them back to her, that's when I left and went to the Bahamas to live because the arthritis and this cold weather was not helping me. It was in November I left. In January, I think, I had to come back because the middle uh, grandson that I was raising had gotten shot and got, you know, he got killed. The other two grandchildren are grown. He would have been gone too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. What advice would you give to someone who has just found out they were they are positive? <laughs> I've had a few of those people. I was in the hospital a couple times, and uh, the lady said, oh, "What do you have for?" I told her I got the virus. 
She said, oh, they said, oh, poor thing. I said, well, what are you in for? And they was giving me their symptoms. I said, oh, my God, to myself. I was getting ready to leave the hospital. Uh, the doctor came and took her out the room and talked to her. And when she came back in, she and I made contact, eye contact. And I, she started to cry, and I started crying with her. And uh, she found out that she had the virus also. She was a young white girl with brown hair. I started her to go into group. I got Terry as her cancer. I got her started right away, right away, and everything got her hooked up. And then she went downhill, weighing 90 to 95 pounds. And then a few months later, I had told her about the wife's group that I was in and for her to come sometime. And I went to group, and she was sitting there. And I, rec- I said, what is this woman looking at me like this for? And I thought, oh! And I called her name, and me and her ran together, and we started hugging. And right now, she's a case manager. She wasn't a case manager at the time? Oh, no. She was an alcoholic. Wow. She was a little bitty thing, you know. And now she's married, and she just got married a few years ago. And now she's a case manager, you know, and I call it my daughter. Right. Yeah. So uh, a few But what did you tell her when you, like, when she was crying? How did you help her see that that there was, you can live with HIV and you can live a full life? Well, what did you say to her? I told her it's okay to cry because I'm crying with you. But when you get out of here, you get up off your, you know what, and get started. Go and find out, find you a doctor. And Carrie walked in, a Wilder, and she took her from there. Carrie was your case manager. Yes, she was my case manager and my son's case manager. That's what made us so unique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and uh, Doctor Scott was my doctor and my son's doctor once he got here on his last leg. And uh, I love her so much. But when I first talked to her as a case manager, I heard that southern accent. I said, oh, my God, I heard about people in the south. So I thought she wasn't going to be able to help me until I met her. And then I found out she was a little piece of dynamite. Whatever she tried to do, she succeeded in helping. Yes, that's my heart. So you you you're, you feel fortunate to have had a, a great oh, case manager. Yeah. She was there when, right after my son passed. She was there while he was passing. I love her so much. Oh, God, I love my doctor. And the whole clinic is so nice and respectful. What's it the name was, of the clinic? Uh, Hennepin County uh, Infectious Disease Clinic. So you're lucky to have found a good clinic then. How do you think HIV has changed you? Oh, I think it's made me more sensitive, more alert, and more outspoken. Because when I told people that I was an activist, oh, don't say that. Just say you're an advocate. No, I'm an activist for AIDS. You know? And I, I've never been outspoken like this. 
Have you lost friends because of your outspokenness? I've lost friends by telling them that I was infected. I mean, they just said, what did they say? They never, they, they just never called or came around anymore. So I said, well, I didn't need them in the first place. If they couldn't help me now, you know, just talk to me or just hug me. Uh, women and men, friends, then I didn't need them in the first place. They was not a friend in the first place. When you told people you were afraid to tell that you had HIV, how did how they react? Oh, they re- reacted very friendly at first, and then I just didn't see them anymore. You know, the people that were supposed to have been my friends. I see. And what about your family, all your grandchildren and great-grandchildren and children? Are they okay with you yes, being open? They, yes, and they also tell people when they see that they're in risk, having risky behaviors, to go and get tested. So and they're all you advocates? You've gotten... Yes, yes. And they also tell them, they say, well, how do you know so much? My mom is infected. And they're behind me. Is that, is, do you very find, fortunate. Is that unusual? To have, you have 51 people <laughs> with, with the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren, I'm not even counting your kids, yeah. who are in behind you. Yes. Yes, I feel so fortunate because we, I just got a new woman in the group last week, honestly. I, last week, and she said her mother came to visit her, and for, for 10 days she wouldn't eat any of her food or drink anything out of her glass. She just lived off of yogurt and something else because she was afraid she was going to catch the virus from her daughter. Women can come from anywhere in Minneapolis to this group? Yes. And it's free? Any age. Yes. So it's not just for older women. If you're younger, can you come as well? It's older women, wise ladies. So that's open. What do you talk about in this group? Uh, And we have guest speakers come in, uh, and we talk about uh, if there's no guest speakers, if someone needs time to talk about something that's happened since the last time we have met, and they talk about it, and more than likely somebody in the group has gone through what they're going through. And so they share their Yes, yes. And then I have women that come in there that's uh, affected. Their husband is, a, is, is living with AIDS or their boyfriend is living with AIDS. I wanted to just talk a little bit about your son. How did you feel when... You, it turned out that you ended up with the same disease as him. Um, Did it make you stronger in a way because you knew that you loved him and he was worthy of love whether he had HIV or not? Oh, Did that yes. it help you with your strength in some way? Yes, it really did. When he, he had, told you, he, had, he thought he had been infected a long time. Yes, well, he really didn't have to tell me because he had... Uh, Scoliosis, uh-huh. and that, and um, they did surgery on his back and put a rod in there. And at that time, he had swollen up and everything. And we was wondering what was going on. And he was a professional dancer, so he never smoked, he never drank, 
and he was in good health. But when he got sick, they found out he had the virus. And what company did he work for? Did he work for a, a dance company? Joe Hall. Joe Hall Studios in Chicago. So was he gay? Yes. Did everyone know he was gay? Yes. Huh. Yes. But he had a partner, and his partner is still in touch with me. He's not infected. But every day I was going over there. He was there with me, and Terry got him out of there because she felt that I needed, you know, I didn't need him right here with me, that he needed special help, you know. And uh, it did make me feel. He wouldn't leave. He was, he was dying. And he didn't want to go because he he knew what I still had to go through. And I released him. I told him, I think you've done a very good job. Go and get your rest. And my daughter and I was there, and he went on home. How old was he when he died? 33. 33. So was his partner with him also? He came when I called him. Yeah, and we've been in close contact for uh, this 13, 12 years. Do do you think that gay people are becoming more accepted in in the world you live in? They have always been accepted in my world because they're human beings. But a lot of people want to take that and say, oh, well, I'm not gay. I I don't have to worry about it. I said, I'm not gay either, but I'm living with it. You know, I, I, I think they... I don't feel that they're any different than me. Who says that I'm right for being crazy enough to have eight babies? You know, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Right now, I wouldn't say that's normal, you know. (laughs) But I wouldn't take one of them back right now. And my son thanked me for giving him life and not getting rid of me, of him, Uh you know before he died. So that, you know, everything makes me stronger. Uh-huh. You know. Do you have a particular health regimen that keeps you, helps you, keep you well, like vitamins, or do you drink, eat very healthily, or do you do exercise? Uh, no. I have a physical therapist coming in now to help me to um, be able to walk and stuff. I can walk, but I, I've been falling lately. But you you think you're getting really good care. I know I am. I know I am. And I always tell people when I do my speaking engagements that I'm going to lick this thing. I am a positive person about this AIDS and HIV. And try to make, I try to have them empower themselves, the ladies, and to be advocates. You know? That's great. Yeah. We, we need oh, more people so like you. Yeah. Oh, you're so strong. I'm not strong. They just don't know, you know. But I. So you don't think people know their own strength? Right. Right. And I don't baby nobody. I tell them just like it is. And at first they would get kind of upset with me. I said, well, I have to tell you like it is, you know, because I want them to realize what I say and what somebody else might say. So they won't get angry and just stop their uh, treatments and stuff. With that, we have to bring this interview to close. So, Lois, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. 
I really appreciate you giving me this chance. Maybe somebody there, maybe one person might be able to save themselves by uh, hearing. Well, it's definitely you're an inspiration. Okay. And thank you so much. Thanks for listening to This Positive Life. For more podcasts and other first-person stories, please visit us online at thebody.com. If you'd like to share your story, please email us at podcast at thebody.com. Thank you.